Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Yes, guys, welcome back to another episode of Teams Like Brighton. And Richie, all I've got to ask is what the bloody hell happened? Nothing, nothing, because we can't we, we can't make logical sense of what we witnessed. We yeah, had, it was just, oh my goodness. I we mean, had a week, a week of just a roller coaster of a ride where we absolutely spanked Wolves, quite rightly, where we dominated Man United and just the karma of all the Fergie time moments at Manchester United. And it happened to us at home, thanks to Luke Shaw trying to do a YMCA impersonation. And then that happened. A Sean Dyche masterclass. Yeah, I, I think that's... Uh, I think, in short, and we'll obviously talk at length about it, but I think, one, Everton were fantastic. Brighton were a couple of percent below where they needed to be. Couple, putting it lightly, um, and I also think maybe tactically Deserby got it got it wrong. Um, I think so. Yeah. So first off, with Daesh, um, obviously the warning signs were there after thirty five seconds because Calvert Lewin, who had a very good game and really one of the few strikers this season who. Uh, made Lewis Dunk look silly at times, quite amateurish. Um, a very, very simple sort of spin away from from the captain for the first goal. And then he set up to Corey. I, I also thought Webster didn't have a particularly good game or didn't have a good game. There was a couple of times when I think it wasn't an easy situation when there was sort of two-on-ones or a slight, maybe a three-on-two or even a two-on-two. But Webster chose to sort of Instead of going towards the man, he stood off and then say back, but then didn't cover the other player. So you're almost doing nothing. Like do one or the other. Like, yeah. um, so he wasn't very good. And obviously he was hooked at half time. Um, but then yeah, Everton. Uh, I've always thought Dwight McNeil has has is a decent player. I never thought he was brilliant. I thought he was a bit overrated at times at Burnley, but. He was walking on water. He, he could, I mean, you know, he seemed to take the right option all the time, passing the ball through, just slaloming through our defenders, especially for that, uh, his first goal and Everton's fourth, fourth, oh, five. Um, yeah, sat down Lewis Dunk, walked past Jason Steele and just walked it into the net. But yeah, I think, uh, in, yeah, Tactics-wise, obviously, they didn't really press that much in their own half, and then but they Brighton just kept losing the ball, and then they counterattacked really, really well, and um, and then they sort of you know uh, in in Brighton's half they pressed them pretty well as well. So yeah, they they got it spot on. 
Brighton were were way off it. Um, as you say, a real brought back down to earth of a thump after that man you the late late drama uh, at the MX last week. So I still think wider context. I saw a lot of people losing their heads uh, after the match. Brighton are still seventh in the league. They still have two games in hand on Tottenham, Aston Villa and Liverpool. Liverpool probably too far ahead because I think they're seven points ahead, but they're only two points behind Tottenham and they have two games in hand. Yes, obviously, we've talked about it many times. Brighton do not have easy games in hand with Newcastle and Man City. Um, but Deserby said the true Brighton will turn up against Arsenal on Sunday. I really hope they do. It's not all doom and gloom. This is still the best ever season that Brighton have had in their history. Please do have some perspective. That wasn't to you. That was just the general people losing their minds. Although Tom is bereft. Of- I, I lost. I lost my mind <laughs> last night, but I'm sure. I'm, gonna, I'm sure it's going to make. Uh, it's going to make a comeback later on in this podcast. Who knows what happens? I, I, I'm absolutely mystified as to exactly what has happened there. It was quite interesting to hear Deserby's comments after the game. And from how I understand it from Andy Nail on Twitter, um, you guys waited a, a, um, a pretty long time to see him. Um, so quite clearly he was getting his uh, voice heard of what he thought about that performance because that was shocking. I, I, I actually committed a cardinal sin. Um, I left early. Since the fourth goal went in, I went, I left. Looked at my mate next to me and he just went, right, I'm off. I'm like, no, get up then. I'm I'm coming with you because I couldn't believe what I saw. I, I, on it, I think I think that was actually, I don't, I don't know whether it's because we're just on such a high right now, but that hurt more than the Bournemouth defeat. That 5-0 hurt a lot, but we weren't that good then in comparison, really. And then that to just witness that was just <laughs> it's mind-boggling. What I find hilarious as well, Everton beat us on aggregate. I know I was annoyed at that. I was like, oh come on. What? Which annoys me even more. I miss Frank Lampard at Everton. But I like him at Chelsea, he's doing a great job. Yeah, fantastic job. So happy for him. Anyway, look, I think when when I was watching the Leicester match and how Fulham were just spanking them, I turned to my mate and I said, I've got, I've got a good feeling about this. If I was Sean Dyche, I would, I would be hyping up the boys big time to say this is our chance, this is our opportunity. Because really, that, that was probably the turning point, I would say, in the relegation battle. Yeah. Forest, Forest won, huge win. An incredible win, by the way. Was it twi- was it twenty-one goals, something silly like that in the in the three games yesterday? And then you've got yeah, Everton, it, who yeah, got- four, three, five, three, and then five-one. Ridiculous. So, yeah, it was just that kind of opportunity of just like guys, it's all or nothing. Like if we if we can't win here and make ourselves known, then what what are we here for? So. You know what? Fair play to them, but my God, did we we just didn't respond at all? It wasn't even the fact that we lost; it's the fact that we lost. 
in a way that is actually, I I feel embarrassed, really. And I get Deserby's comments afterwards in the fact that he said, these guys aren't mentally ready to play three games a week. They're not. That was our strongest start in 11, bar Ferguson yeah. and March, which we'll come on to as well because that broke my heart and all. So just seeing that, seeing all that match just unfold was just like, what on earth has happened? I feel sorry, so sorry for Jao Pedro as well, coming on at half time, seeing the fans, yeah. and he's just there like thinking, what the hell have I got myself in for? And I'll tell you what, Jao Pedro, my friend, you are in for a one hell of a time at Brighton because it's never a dull day at the club, that's for sure. I, but I, th- I think it's definitely a wake-up call for us because if we want to try and push on and get Europe, there's a difference between pushing on, qualifying for Europe and maintaining that while dealing with Europe as well. So, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm just... Uh, my mind is boggled right now. I, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs> yeah, I think the... This this is obviously the um by far Brighton's you know worst defeat of the season. Um for, for multiple reasons. But you know, after the Nottingham Forest loss, I think most people could go, well, <clears throat> that was just a team that just completely ran out of gas. There were there were there was an FA Cup hangover after losing a few days before to um Manchester United. And you could see Brighton just ran out of puff in that game as, as the match wore on. With this one, uh, it was, yeah, it was just, um, it was much more of a head-scratcher because, yeah, it obviously came after a 1-0 win. You think maybe that a little bit like, you know, the Charlton loss in the, in the Carabao Cup, they learn from that and don't repeat it but then to sort of have a much worse version of Forest against a team who had, I think, prior to the game, had only won once away all season. It was the lowest scorers in the league or at least away from home or something like that. Or, um, so it was a real um, head-scratcher as to, as to where this came from. Less, um, sorry, Dice said, Sean Dice said that they put on their best performance of the season away at Leicester in a game that they probably should have won in a two-all draw. So he thought that this result was coming um, and obviously they are fighting for their lives and they might, that result, yeah, as, as you said earlier, that, that might be enough to to keep them up uh, and maybe Leeds and Leicester going down with Southampton. But yeah, I, I think you hope that this doesn't knock the stuffing out of Brighton. And obviously the next game is Arsenal away, which is not exactly the ideal place to go to. Or maybe it might be. I mean, it could be they they won't have as much pressure to win. Obviously, Arsenal are trying to go for the league. Brighton did beat Arsenal at the Emirates back in November in the Cup, Carabao Cup. So they've got history there. Um, But yeah, just, just one thing I wanted to add on the tactical front. So... There was two sort of contrasting takes on this from Daesh and Deserby. So I'll just read you Daesh's comments. He said, Brighton play a very particular way. They create two boxes in the middle of the pitch 
They pop it inside it and look to play cleverly around the corners, and I felt we quelled that. We were very patient with it, and sometimes that is difficult. Um, he said, I'm just paraphrasing, well, I'm sort of cussing out a little bit of it. So then he says, they had a better spell in the second half. You'd expect that. I think we would all expect that. I said to the players that Bryce are probably going to quicken the tempo in the second half, play more direct from crossing positions, not back to front, but getting it wide and putting more in the box, which they did. But we held strong to that. Um, Jordan Pickford made some really fine saves. And I always thought if they did that, we would have moments when it opened up. And it did. Um, so I guess, yeah, from my point of view, and obviously I'm a massive layman compared to the well, you know, top class coaches. Um I I just thought if if you're sort of repeatedly getting into this problem, is it worth tweaking it to maybe change that? I don't know. I guess for example, like with Master the Bielsa at Leeds, he was criticized for only having pl a plan A, and then when plan A wasn't working, you tried plan A harder. Um, I don't know how many coaches maybe have plan Bs it, um, in, in their sort of coaching arsenal. But Deserby said, and just a little bit on, on his comments, he said, it's very difficult to explain this performance. It was a very strange game, conceded after 30 seconds. This wasn't the Brighton team. It's a bad day. We have to start on something against Arsenal. The problem was not about our tactical approach. I think we didn't prepare in terms of motivation and mentality, maybe. We're playing a lot of games in a small period, which we're not used to. We have to work on this, and I can understand. I'm still proud of my players. The first person responsible for this result is the coach. So I guess he's maybe laying, laying some of the blame at him, himself. But do you do you think that it was just a case of, you know, because there's just so many times when Brighton were doing their sort of, you know, trying to do their intricate passes in, in Bright Everton's final third, and they were just a bit sloppy, and then they lost it. And then you just, just so often, I just remember seeing Everton players racing forward, Brighton, you know, trying to get back. Um, and obviously, when you're, you know, three or so nil down, when they were at half time, you're always chasing the game, and you have to take risks to try to get back into it. And they definitely were better in the second half when they made the four subs. But do you do you think there was a bit of tactical naivety from from Deserby, or do you think it was just a case of um, like he said, you know, about maybe not being up for it, not being prepared for it, tired bodies, and also just Daesh doing a number of them. I think it's both. I think it's tactical naivety on Zerby's side. I think he wasn't expecting Sean Dyche to be playing in that way. And let's face it, that's not a very much, that's not a very Sean Dyche approach. Yes, I know what happened with us with Burnley last season, but I don't think Deserby really saw Deitch's approach. And really, it's not, it hasn't been a typical approach that Everton have played, really, or even to that effect, I would say, or that effectively. And then you've got, then you've got the players who are just, they have to be accountable for their actions because I think they needed to respond faster. I think really the only one that was really effective from dropping back was Caicedo from the midfield. No one out. Gross wasn't. McAllister wasn't. And it just, yeah, there seemed to be a bit of repetitiveness in terms of the tactics where we're just desperate for answers, but not, not, nothing was coming our way. So we just try and try again with what we do, which was borderline insanity. Um, 
I I I just can't go over how much of a. I don't I don't even want to call it a a freak accident because I think that plays down how good Everton were. They were just lethal. They were they just. Deitch saw the opportunities at hand and he saw the weaknesses and he said the only way to go about winning this is that we counter quickly and hard. Have that high line in place and then when we win the ball in that first phase on that on the back line, then we counter and we go for it. Because then that way we're not got dealing with five or six players, we're only dealing with two or three. And that's what happens every single time. Just play out wide, exploit Sally. Gross was exploited big time yeah. on that right. Think of all the goals that came in. I'm pretty sure they all came on the left wing for Everton anyway. So they exploited Pascal Gross's, you know, lack of defensive traits. And let's face it, if you're, if you're looking for someone who is looking for defensive weaknesses, Sean Deitch is your guy. Deitch, the guy's got a pub named after him, for God's sake. He, he knows exactly what he's doing. So... <laughs> Yeah, you know, f- fair play to Everton. Fair play to them. They yeah. loved every minute of it. And I still can't believe they've beaten us on aggregate this season. Absolutely hilarious. Yeah, I think, yeah. De- yeah, to- just to add, Everton, brilliant, brilliant performance. So many players really, really played well. It's quite rare that Brighton's midfield would would get sort of outclassed um, because, you know, you've got Caicedo, you've got McAllister, and, and when he's... Uh, playing in midfield, Gross as well. That's a you know a fantastic trio there. But the likes of um, Decore, Garner, Gway, Awobi was fantastic. McNeil was brilliant. Um, Calvert Lewin, as I said, you know ran rings around Brighton's defence. Just not not just in terms of um, you know with the ball at his feet, but also aerially. He, that man can jump. He got leap, um, but. Yeah, it was. Um, hopefully, this is just a day that's just get in the bin, try to move on. Um, but I guess we can't not talk about um, the fact that Brighton's injuries are mounting up, yeah. and you're coming into the business end of the season. Um, this is really, really sad. And obviously, just I think just before Everton's fourth goal. Substitute Solly March, who Deserby actually suggested that he had not been in the best run of form of late. Um, so he didn't start. But Bonanotto, who I thought was pretty decent against Manu, uh, started once again, but he he had a tough, tough afternoon um against Everton. March came on, looked much, much brighter, looked a good threat, um, really gave um Mikalenka the runaround. But as he was racing back to try to stop, I think, um, a Wobi, uh, he looked like he pulled his hamstring, which would probably see him out for the rest of the season. And you, you'd made the point about, you know, Gross uh, maybe not being, you know, he's not he's not a defender. So, no. but Brighton's options are now just shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. To the point where maybe even under twenty threes might need to be called, or under twenty one, sorry, might need to be called up, or even more people shoehorned into, you know, square pegs, round holes type thing. Um, it's that is a, a real shame. It's just Brighton are walking wounded at the moment, and Desabi didn't say he he didn't say I don't know 
about the severity, but it didn't look good, did it? No, it didn't. I think as well, it's important to point out as well that Zerbi did say that uh, March's fitness isn't up there either. So he clearly knew that he March was a injury risk. And before that, I couldn't help but notice that Solly was obviously holding on to the back of his leg as well, like kind of like massaging his hamstring when he got the chance. In the last probably five minutes prior to everyone seeing him pulling out of that, tracking back. And I just felt, mm, I think Solly's going to get injured here. I wasn't, I wasn't too happy to see that, you know, 20 minutes in and he's feeling his calves, he's feeling his hamstrings, he's not looking good, he's looking over to the bench, just kind of like thinking this isn't going to look good, guys. And he gave it his all as well. Every time he got in position and he read the game and he needed to be called upon, he he did it. And then it was just it was just too much from him. It was too much. It was a change that was needed. Don't get me wrong, but that there was a reason why he was on the bench. Dezobi said why, and really the question would, in in hindsight would it be why why did you play Solly in the first place? Why did you bench him in the first place if he's not going to be that fit? If he's not fit enough to be called upon in the he's an injury risk, rest him. Rest him, for goodness sake. Yeah, we've got we've got tougher matches coming up now. And like you say, the injury list is growing constantly. It was great to see Evan Ferguson back, at least. Yeah. He looks he looks sharp. He looks keen to get right in it. Um it's just once again, the closing down in the middle from from the Everton players was superb. They just read the read our game so well, and we just didn't have that opportunity to really pass and move about. So, God, it's so it's so bloody annoying, <laughs> so frustrating. But look, we've got Arsenal away, and Deserby was quite positive going ahead. They're going this weekend. You're going to see the real Brighton again, which is great to hear. I'll be interested to see what answers he he will have to that, um, because Arsenal are high flying and they got a fantastic result at St James's Park. Be interested to see what happens there. Be interesting to see how we deal with that, as well as a trip to Newcastle, a match against Southampton, a match against Man City, and then Aston Villa. We've got what two, three weeks left now of the season. And there's a lot of football to be played from our end. It'll be really interesting to see what happens next, because I tell you what, it's not going to be it's not going to be a dull affair at Villa Park, that's for sure. And I, I said I said it at the start of the business end chat, Villa Park's going to be the one that's going to be the decider. And now I really think it's going to be the case now. Yeah, I think just looking ahead to Arsenal, I I kind of hope that. Um, I hope that Joel Veltman's back because I, I think there's only so many times that you can play sort of versatile players out of position. I know Gross can play in lots of positions, but I just feel if you've got Martinelli running at Gross at right back, that is a worrying matchup for me. And I think because Brighton keep the ball so well, there aren't actually that many times where wingers or attackers or whatever will be running at gross because of the way that Brighton controlled the game. But I think Arsenal can also control the game pretty well. And I, I can just see a backpedaling gross being skinned by 
the flying Brazilian on um, Sunday. I, I mean, there's a there's yeah, there's a, a decent chunk. It's obviously not ideal because it's not a whole week, but it's maybe a bit more time to recover, try and go again. But it's becoming a bit more of a Fredbear squad now. Um, you know, they've still they've still not got the likes of Lalana, Moda, Sarmiento, Lamptey, you know, Veltman. Um, just as a quick side note, do you think? Um, do what did you think of Jason Steele's performance? Because he was fantastic against Manchester United. Do you think he was just one of many who didn't play that well, or do you think this maybe opens the door back to Sanchez, or do you think it's just a, a one-off type thing? I th- oh, I think if Deserby wants to be consistent in his man management, then he needs to drop Jason Steele for Sanchez. Sanchez wasn't good for a few matches. Still just didn't have a very good performance at all. And I don't, don't, I don't, I'm not saying it's, it's his fault personally, but there were a few times when I was just like, wow, just, just overall from the team performance. So I do think that there are going to be changes going to the Arsenal match. And I think one of them is going to be Steele's drop, Sanchez is in. And we we might see a, de- a completely different Brighton side at the weekend. But I do think, I mean, that third goal was just horrendous in more ways than one. And sadly, we have to say that, you know, that own goal is, I, I think that has to hold on to Steelway's responsibility, responsibilities there. I think, he, I think he panics a bit, which is a shame. And I just think it all just went tumbling down up from then on because it just looked like as if we just were never going to recover and we didn't. And I do think the way Deserby was reacting as well on the touchline through some of the goals, I think he's probably thinking, I've got I've I've got a responsibility here. I've got to show the same approach as I have done with Sanchez. I wouldn't put it past him that Sanchez gets called up. But then again, it... it it depends what happens on the training pitch, I reckon, from during this week. But it would take some doing for Jason Steele to t- get keep the number one spot. Yeah, I mean, it'll be a very interesting. Um, yeah, I'm intrigued to see what the lineup will be come Arsenal. Um, but yes, as I started off, I still think it's important to point out that this has been a fantastic season for Brighton. I really hope they can qualify for Europe. Um, I think they, they've they got a very good chance because, you know, um, if you, the, the other teams around them, obviously, Villa and um, Tottenham only have three games left, Brighton have five. Villa have to play, obviously, they lost at the weekend, a uh, second straight defeat after a fantastic run for them. They host Tottenham this Saturday, which is a massive game. That's a huge one. For Brighton, who'd probably want a draw from that or maybe even a Spurs win just to hopefully secure Brighton, a, a, you know, at least a Conference League spot. Uh, they then play Liverpool away and Liverpool are on a charge trying to get that top four spot. And then obviously, end of the uh, season, it's um, Villa-Brighton. Uh, Tottenham are, they got um, a fairly rare win. Um They've got probably an easier run in. They've got obviously Villa, uh, they've got Brentford at home and then Leeds away. Um, so 
but leads fighting for lives. Who knows? Crazy things have happened, but I yeah, I still think Bison. This this is a hopefully a freak loss. Don't go digging out all these players for one bad game. Um, you know, look at it bigger picture. This is believe, believe, believe. We're still so, in yes. this. Yes, we're still in this. So we will be previewing the Arsenal game later this week, where hopefully Brighton can bounce back. But yes, guys, thanks for listening for another episode of Teams Like Brighton. We will be back soon. Keep liking and subscribing and keep the faith. <laughs>